You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Lions for a Tuesday. Let's plate this thing, shall we? Matt Derry with you on Tuesday, April 27th and a Wednesday, April 28th. We are just two days away from the NFL draft. Lions picking seventh on Thursday. A couple of picks, second and third rounders on Friday. And then the rest on Saturday. And you know the Lions might be accumulating some picks and trading back. We'll see what happens. But let's discuss it. We'll talk about it with Nick Baumgartner from TheAthletic.com. Football writer, covers the colleges, covers the pros. Senior football writer for TheAthletic.com. Nick Baumgartner will join us today. He and Chris Burke wrote a great joint piece uh, at The Athletic about the state of the Lions and kind of where they're going. Um, I'm going to get the proper name of it right. What we're hearing about the Lions ahead of the draft. And we'll talk to Nick uh, coming up momentarily. Find us on Twitter at Derry Speaks, D E R Y Speaks, at Locked On Lions on Twitter, and also the Matt Derry Facebook fan page. Uh, on the show today, before we get to Nick, I want to talk about leadership. And I could do mock drafts, I could talk about rumors. Today, the Lions put in front of the media a couple of veteran players, Taylor Decker and Trey Flowers. And I think. When you talk about losing all of these veterans that the Lions have lost and letting Matthew Stafford go, letting Kenny Galladay walk, uh, Jared Davis is gone. He was a captain, whether you thought he was a good player or not. Uh, I never thought he was good. Uh, Deron Harmon, guys like that are gone. Who are going to be the leaders on this football team moving forward through what is going to be uh, through a, a period of losing? The Lions are rebuilding. They're starting from the bottom. All right? Like Drake once said, started from the bottom, now we're here. All right? The Lions are going to suck this year. They're not going to win a lot of games. The over-under for them to win games uh, this year is five and a half from betonline.ag. Taylor Decker is going to be a leader on this team. Taylor Decker sounds like a guy, wants to be here, wants to see this through, and as a really good teammate. And today he told the media, number one, they want to draft an offensive lineman, great. The more the merrier. Let's do it. Which is awesome because there are some guys going, don't draft my position early because let's say they draft Panay Sewell and he's so good, they could dump Taylor Decker anytime they want. Now I know the contract is is structured a certain way, but this is not guaranteed contracts like in the NBA or in baseball. Penny Sewell, not saying he's going to take Taylor Decker's spot, but if the Lions take him on Thursday, and there's a good chance they will, he's going to play right tackle for a few years. Taylor Decker just got an extension. But he basically said, great, let's do it. You want to draft an offensive lineman? Let's do it. And the other thing that Taylor Decker said today was that he went to management and confirmed, and he said he was going to do this in January. But he went to management and wanted them to keep Hank Fraley as offensive line coach because he thought Hank Fraley did a good job. 
You look at the Lions offensive line the last couple of years, but really last year when Hank became the O-line coach, did a, he did a good job. And I've been saying on this show, he was one of the guys I would have kept. I'd like to broom out everybody and start over. Well, certain guys are still around. You know, Lance Newmark, Rob Lohman, Mike Disner, Rod Wood in the front office. But on the coaching staff, Hank Fraley's really the one left over. So, Taylor, uh, Taylor, Taylor Decker said today, quote, one thing I flat out asked for was to give Hank Fraley an opportunity to interview for the O-line coaching job. Don't just clean house because I think he does a really great job. I think he has a really great understanding of the game, studies the hell out of everything and all the defenses, and I think his approach with delivering information and new techniques is fantastic because he played the game for 11 years. He's good for the room and a lot of the young guys in the room, and I think he's done a really good job. End quote. <clears throat> Remember, Fraley interviewed for other jobs, including the Bengals O-line job, and ended up coming back. And Decker said it's a good feeling knowing the organization wants to hear what the players want to say. End quote. How about that? That's leadership. You have got to... We could sit here and go, get rid of all the veterans. They all got to go. Start over. Bottom out. Win one or two games. Get the number one pick next year. That, that's The team's going to struggle. right? They're rebuilding the entire defense. There are certain veterans that have to stay. You can't just cut Jamie Collins with that cap hit. You can't do that with Trey Flowers. All right? But on the offensive line, Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow are keepers. And guys in the prime of their career. Rookie Jonah Jackson last year started every game at right and left guard. So they seem to be building something along that O-line. But with Decker, he didn't go to the media and talk about Hank Fraley and, and, and make demands and sound like a jerk. He went to the top and said, guys, as a veteran on this team, I really believe you got to hear my input on this because this guy can coach. And they kept him. And Dan Campbell kept him. Do you think the Quintricia era would have listened to players and kept coaches? No. Of course not. So that's leadership. And I like hearing that. That's a good story today. It's a positive story when it comes to uh, this football team. So I like it a lot. And I think that it's something that uh, should be brought up. And I wanted to bring it up today. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And bet online, baby! The fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the games at Bet Online. This week, tons of sports action on the go. NFL Draft is on. Kentucky Derby is back. The first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. You want to bet on that? Do so at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs in the NBA and NHL as well. All right? Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKDOWN. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Man, it's great to catch up with this guy, now a uh, senior NFL and college football writer, football writer for TheAthletic.com, working alongside Chris Burke on some Lions coverage as well. And we talked about it before he came on here. What we're hearing about the Lions ahead of the 2021 NFL draft, a piece they put out today at TheAthletic.com. Nick Baumgartner is uh, with me. What's up, buddy? Not much, Matt. How are you doing, man? Long time no talk. We were talking beforehand. Good to, good to hear from you. I know. You too, man. It's been a long time. Back at the 105 One Days, you were always my Michigan go-to. We even, got, go. mad. We even got mad at each other a couple times. It was uh, <laughs> thanks to Twitter and stuff. I always loved your, your work, and you're missed on that Michigan beat, man, because you, you, were, you were unafraid to go at uh, certain zany individuals, that's for sure. Do you, you, well, but, I mean, I'm still around sometimes, but I'm not there every day, which, hey, I can tell you what, like, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a grind, my man, to do, oh, that, yeah. to oh, do yeah. that job every day. So, hey, some days I miss it, some days I don't. Many days I don't miss the day-to-day, but uh, still, still like getting in there and mixing up. Mixing up. I, I used to enjoy that when, uh, when J.H. would be up on the podium and I'd hear your voice <laughs> faint in the background and he kind of had that little eye roll going like oh yeah. what's this guy going with but uh hey you, you you win you win and you shut up all the uh all the haters and the eye rolls go away so there you go <laughs> well speaking of winning uh the lions um yeah. i don't know if that that's the maybe the worst segue i've ever done on this show <laughs> done this podcast for it'll be 6 speaking years something, something. <laughs> but but they're winning let me ask you this nick they're winning up front with the fans right now, aren't they? Like, people are really excited about Thursday and the direction, at least with some fresh faces and some transparent people talking, like yeah. Brad Holmes and, and and Dan Campbell, they'll talk your ear off. That's 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 a win, right? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think that it seems like that, and I, my sort of read on it has been from, from people that, like, uh, people are into it because they haven't done anything yet that's like illogical or ridiculously like what was what are you doing you know like what what's happening here kind of thing and I think that people have gotten so used to that you know especially with this last regime and then Lions fans all the time of course but like you know if you think all the way back you can think what you want about you know the decisions on you know Brad Holmes if maybe he wasn't your favorite candidate or Campbell or whatever you know the decision to trade Stafford you know executing for you know a good haul. Uh, keeping yourself open to options in the draft. And, you know, now you look up and you see, I mean, the Lions are in a pretty decent spot, you would think, to be able to move. Um, All those things, I mean, they've played this logically. I think they've hired, you know, pretty well uh, in theory. And I think fans just look at it and say, like, there's not a lot I can sit here and say, like, that was really, really dumb. Uh, So I think that that's why they're probably still on board. But, hey, as long as that continues, I think they'll ride with them. All right, so you guys elected in this column, um, and if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, one of the reasons I do is to read Chris Chris, uh, Chris Burke and Nick and, and the folks at The Athletic. You guys do a great job. And shout out to Zach Meisel, who covers my Cleveland Indians, because he's awesome oh, yeah. uh, on the baseball side. But All right, so what you're hearing, first and foremost, you guys elected to write. What we're hearing is trade talk. Give me a percentage, Nick, in your mind of the chance of Brad Holmes trading out of seven in, in, in two nights. Think that it would be north of. I think it's at least fifty. I think it's at least fifty fifty. I don't know how lock it is because the the thing to say is we don't know how the quarterbacks are going to go. Like that's still the thing. I mean, it's it seems like there's an awful lot of smoke to Mac Jones at three, but like we don't know for sure um, if this isn't going to be a situation where four just becomes you know Justin Fields and someone trades up to five and takes Trey Lance and then suddenly you know, all of your zip to move up is is fading away. So I don't know if they'll be able to, but, like, if the board goes the way we think it will and, 
the Lions are sitting there at seven with one of those quarterbacks, either Fields or Lance, and maybe Penny Sewell, then I would think that in that situation, and we would, I mean, we've been told more or less that the Lions, they've fielded interest from a number of different areas for both those for teams interested in those quarterbacks and for Sewell. So you're looking at situations there with premium players that you can move out of. And if that happened, you know, unless they love, love Sewell and, and don't want to pass on him, I would think that that would be a trade. But, you know, that board has to fall the way it needs to, I think, for, you know, Red Holmes to be able to execute that. Well, do, do you love Sewell? Do you say, wait a minute, they're not trading back if he's yeah, there yeah. at seven? Or or are you on the eh, trade back, get Dar- yeah. get Darisaw and get some picks? I, I do love Sewell, but I would I I'd love to trade more in this situation for them. I think that in like if, if if they were a year into this rebuild and you could get Sewell, I you know, I'd say stay and just take him. Because, you know, but right now, you know, they still you know, they got the extra third round pick, so that certainly helps, but I mean they, they need more in this draft. You know, they have more next year, obviously. Uh, I just I just think they need more picks. I mean, they need everything so badly on defense, uh, and as nice as it would be to really say to yourself, okay, we got the best, you know, the best offensive tackle for sure that we think is the guy. Um, you know, I, I, I also like Rashawn Slater. I also like Derisaw. I like those guys in the middle too. So I'd be willing to give up a little less there with, with those guys, because I don't think it would be too big of a slide. Uh, and, you know, the extra picks would be more valuable. Nick Baumgartner from TheAthletic.com covering uh, both college and, and, and professional football. Certainly Lions, Michigan, and Michigan State joining me here. What's your sense on this Justin Fields situation? Because you've been around the Big Ten, you've covered Fields a little bit. What, what what do you get a sense of? I mean, my gosh, during that Clemson game, Nick, it's oh my God, Justin Fields might go number one, and now here we are months later, and it's like oh, some people are like ah, he doesn't have the work ethic, he's he's his health, and he may you know, and he'll drop. What's your sense on it? Yeah, the health part, uh, I suppose. The you know the thing that just came out recently about the epilepsy, I suppose didn't already know um as he's been managing it or whatever but the rest of it like man i just watch his tape like i mean the guy played two years at ohio state i I, so you go down the list right i hear from people that say ohio state's never had a quarterback that's ever and i say okay well stop right there that argument's ridiculous you can't say that about that has nothing to do with justin field right he's playing for a completely different coach uh he's not playing for urban meyer he's not playing in the run heavy offense this was a pass heavy situation where he threw you know they they specifically tailored that offense to let him throw it around and show what he could do and he did uh, i think it's i think it's a bit much to suggest that he can't process beyond his first or second read i mean if you watch like you said matt i mean that clemson game in the playoff this year against you know the consensus best defensive coordinator in college football uh with the best defense in college football i mean he completely shredded them uh so I don't know. I I think he's a top five pick. I think if if he were there at seven, if I'm the GM of the Lions, I think I'd have a hard time passing on him and Trey Lance. But um, you know, that's me. I don't know. I mean, that's it. All depends. I think this whole draft depends on what Dan Campbell and Brett Holmes think of Fields and Lance and how that sort of fits in. Because I still think that you should at least, you know, I mean, they're two pretty special athletes and. Man, it'd be tough to pass on him and then watch and see what happens, right? So, you know, interesting decision, interesting decision. Could, could you imagine if they took Fields at seven, um, what this town would do? I mean, the, the buzz and what, you know, I mean, I made the point that Tim Boyle was going to be Mr. August in this town. Because our, team, our teams here are not very good. I mean, the Pistons are coming up. I don't know what the Illich teams are doing, but... Um, and then they got the Lions, but I think Tim Boyle would be the hotness for August because he would play a lot in the preseason and and he would look good. 
and the Green Bay people love him. But then Fields, oh my gosh, could you imagine? No, I mean, it would be, yeah, I mean, Lance too. I mean, either one of them, really. I mean, anybody like that that would come in, I think people would be uh, hungry for it and everything else. But I think that they're two really good players, you know, beyond that. I, I'm never the guy who says you got to take a quarterback just to take it, right? Like, gun to your head, you got to do it. I don't, don't do that. But, like, these are two really good, really, really good players. I mean, the Mac Jones stuff, I mean, people like him for different reasons and everything else. And if you think he's ready to come in and guide a team right now, I mean, that's what happened, you know, beyond into a playoff run. I guess that's whatever. But for the Lions, it wouldn't be about Jones. It would be those two guys, Fields or Lance. I mean, be hard to pass on for me, but I'm not. I'm not running the team, so what do I know? <laughs> More with Nick Baumgartner. When we come back, I want to tell you about rockauto.com. Family-owned business, if you're looking for auto parts, don't go to the store, throw your mask on, worry about all that stuff. No, no, just do it at home at rockauto.com. They've served auto, auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You go to the website, you shop for auto and body parts. From hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, Motor oil, new carpet, whatever you need, it's there for you at rockauto.com. The best part of this whole thing, prices are always reliably low. And the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, right? So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to the website, rockauto.com. That's R-O-C-K, auto.com. See everything you need, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Back with Nick Baumgartner from TheAthletic.com talking Lions draft. We are two days away. Nick, Nick, what, what about the thought of Chris Spielman having influence, whether it's Fields being a Buckeye, a fellow Buckeye as Chris, or the Micah Parsons situation being that middle linebacker type? Um, do you sense Chris has that kind of a feel? I, I hit him up yesterday just via text and said, hey, look, Albert Breer and Peter King are saying this about you. I didn't get a response. What, what do you think? I think that, you know, I'm not sure. You know, you never know, right, how all that, how all, what that means. You know, I think you could read that a couple different ways if you wanted to. I think there's, you know, one way of reading it would be, you know, in terms of an Ohio State guy that Spielman would, actually, would be positioned, you would think, you know, uniquely um, to have, you know, the complete, full and total, unedited, you know, here's the whole deal on every single kid at Ohio State, right? We're not going to BS you or anything else. You'd think that as a guy who played there, he'd have a pretty unique lens into that. So I could see in situations like that where he would be saying, like, if you need anything on an Ohio State guy, you know, let me let me know. I've got connections there or anything else. I mean, maybe he has some at Penn State. I don't know if that's something with Parsons or if he just likes Michael Parsons. I mean, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think the situation is, like, what's it going to be? when it's time to do it because they've talked this talk about you know it's going to be a consensus and it'll be brad holmes's final decision and he and dan campbell will come to a you know an agreement and they'll make the pick okay well is it going to be that easy or is it not going to be that easy and i think we'll be able to get a sense right i think we'll be able to know for the most part but um i don't know i think the stuff like that sometimes in the draft you know draft season everything else can get uh, get thrown out there for a whole bunch of different reasons so it's always tough to see where it's coming from would you take Parsons in a trade back? Uh, I don't think anybody's taking him at seven, but if they, but if they traded back, what's that magic number for you? I would, yeah. I mean, I think I would. I think I would consider it. I think that the thing with him is you're going to really have to know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if Spielman has an in there and has a background, you know, report on Michael Parsons that 
is different from some of the stuff that we hear otherwise that, you know, there, there maybe were character concerns or whatever at Penn State that, you know, those are issues that seem to pop up. Uh, and if he knows otherwise, then I think that that's something that would fit. But, I mean, that's the thing, too. You hear him talk a lot about this locker room has to be going in the right direction. This locker room has to be, you know, strengthened by every single person we bring in here. Like, then you better know, right? So I would because he's an awesome athlete and everything else. I still think Parsons has work to do uh, as an inside linebacker in terms of responsibility. I mean, Penn State kind of just cut him loose and let him run. But, you know, 12 to 15, if you were able to get in there and he slides, I don't know if he would slide that far. But if he does, then that would be a pretty good spot for him. Receiver. Um, You wrote about this in the column, you and Chris, today about the offense. And, hey, look, here are the guys the Lions have now. Uh, Detroit and Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have both said they want somebody that can block downfield. I know that's a concern with Devontae Smith, just based on his size. But what's your sense of the Lions? And I think fans would not like it if it was Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell at seven. And, and I, and I know our, our friend Mike Valeni. He, my, he, he would say, "Why are you drafting a receiver, a smallish receiver at seven, when you can get one later on with this class?" Right, and I think that that is going to be something that as time goes forward in football that we're going to be saying every year. Like you said that last year too, right? People, you know, the, the receiver class was so good, and it was. It was crazy. It was so deep with all this value. College receivers, I think, are better prepared today, and I think stats are backing this up. You just look at what the, you know, Jefferson did there last year at Minnesota. Um, they're coming out and they're ready to play. I mean, they're, they're ready to go. They're more, you know, their skill sets are translating to the game the way it's called, everything else these days. And so I think they're adapting faster. And so I look at that in some ways, I think that position's getting, we see where the money gets a little crazy, everything else. I think a lot of teams look at that now and say, if we can stay young there and we can stay cheap there as much as possible, we're going to try to do that. So I would probably be, I'd probably be in agreement. Receiver at seven, if I had to stick and just stay there and had no other choice, you know, like, Receiver would probably be toward the bottom of my option list that I would want to get at there. Because I, I, I think that would be a little high, but like that's, you know, Jamar Chase would maybe be the one guy if he fell that would be, uh, would change that math. But like, yeah, Smith or Waddle, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, and I just wonder if Smith will be there. Let's say they make a deal with Arizona at 16 or Washington at 19. You wonder if, if Smith will be there because there are concerns about his size. Right. I mean, he could. You know, he could slip. I think Waddle could as well. I mean, because, you know, Waddle didn't run or do anything at Pro Day either, even though we've all seen his tape and everything else. It's super explosive, all that. But, like, I am not. I don't know where Waddle's going to go. I mean, that's the one where I'm, I still think there's probably a wider range for him than people are probably thinking. And then Smith is another guy, you know, kind of like Quiddy Pay. You remember when the, when the back in January people had, you know, Quiddy Pay and Devonta Smith, like, in the top three or four, yeah. it was like, no, that's going to level up. I mean, and, 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 you know, they're good players. They're first-round picks, but not, you know, not at seven. Nick, great stuff. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy your work. Good, good catching up. Thanks, buddy. You bet, man. Anytime. Nick Baumgartner with us on TheAthletic.com. Check out his work, Chris Burke's work, and everybody's work that uh, covers, of course, the four majors and the colleges at TheAthletic.com. We're back tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Lions as we get closer to Thursday's draft. We'll do a post-draft show likely uh, after the first round is done, likely around midnight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.